Welcome to the Redeemer Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that you are blessed as you join us in walking through the Word of God together. To learn more about our ministry in St. Albans, Vermont, please visit RedeemerChurchBT.com. This week at Redeemer Church, we have a guest preacher, Justin Wesson, who will be teaching us from a passage out of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. The part of Jesus' famous sermon that we will be focusing on comes from Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, which says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. So here's Justin to teach us that Jesus is the only one who can truly satisfy. Come to this person he's talking about in 55, if you thirst, come to the waters. He who has no money, you don't have to have anything. Come, buy and eat. How do you buy and eat if you have no money? Come, buy wine, milk, without money and without price. Because this person's offering it freely. All you have to do is turn to him. The prophet looked to a day that the Lord speaks that he would see his people hungry and thirsty no more. And Jesus tells us in John that he is the one that will satisfy our hunger. He is the one that will satisfy our thirst. If you got your Bibles, flip over to John 6. I said there wouldn't be much flipping. So here's where we're going to flip ahead. Flip over to John 6. I want us to look at two chapters in John to highlight this point. John chapter 6. I want to cover some, uh, cover some ground. Um, almost said cover some water. And in chapter 6 where Jesus walks on water. I'm not going to walk on water today. Um, you see here in the beginning of chapter 6, Jesus feeds 5,000 people. It's amazing. We believe it's actually more than 5,000 because of how they counted people then. But He does this amazing miracle of feeding people. We see if you flip over, then 16, it says Jesus walks on water. He performs this. He teaches through it. The disciples go across the sea ahead of Him. He walks across the water to them. There's this amazing story. They're amazed by it. But then it goes back on 22. It says on the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with His disciples, but that His disciples had gone away alone. Immediately the next day, the people that saw this wonderful miracle that Jesus did, they're back at the shore seeking Jesus. Where did Jesus go? we got to find Him. Skip down a couple of passages. You find out they find, find Him on the other side of the sea. And Jesus makes this interesting statement to them. Verse 29, or 26, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you uh, for on him the God for on him God the Father has set his seal. I think this is one of those hard statements of Jesus. Hey, you had your stomach satisfied. You ate the food, but you're in the coming to me. You're not coming to me because of who I am. You just want to see something amazing again. I've got four kids. There's that scene in the old Pixar movie, which is weird saying old now because I don't feel this old, but The Incredibles. And Mr. Incredibles at the car and the little kid's on his tricycle. And he's like, what are you waiting for? And he's like, something amazing to happen. I think the people here are standing here at Jesus going, we want to see something amazing, Jesus. 
Not, hey, we want you, Jesus. It's we just want to see something cool. How many times do we treat Jesus this way? Hey, Jesus, I just want, I just, can you give me more money at my job, that promotion? Can you just fix these things in my life and then I can get along happier? Instead of going, I don't care about that. I want you, Jesus. I just want you. I don't care about anything else. The guys we were talking at breakfast this morning, church history. One of the things I love about the history of the church is hearing about the stories of the saints that truly had nothing, but you would never know it. George Mueller, if you know the story of him, the way he consistently prayed that God would provide and God would, you would never know because he was just so faithfully seeking Christ. But here's what's interesting, though, about this passage, too. He doesn't just say this. Look what he says, though, down later uh, in the passage. He, he's talking about to them. Uh, he talks about the manna that God gave the people in Israel. And they and he talks about the, that the Father's going to give true bread from heaven. The people say, hey, Jesus, cool. If there's bread God's given, give us that bread. Again, notice the mess up. They're not even going, oh, cool. Jesus, like, we want you. They're still going, okay, fine, we'll take that bread. We won't take what was yesterday. Give us that if that's on the menu today. But Jesus says to them, no, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. To find this satisfaction for this hunger he describes in Matthew 5, the answer is not in anything other than Jesus. It is only turning to Him. He can satisfy your deepest need. And we're going to look at that in a second. But flip two chapters back to chapter 4. I want to highlight this chapter too. If you know chapter 4, this is one of the most amazing stories for me in the Bible. I love chapter 4. You have the woman... Uh, and the Sumerian woman that Jesus meets at the well. And there's this amazing conversation. And there's so many things in this chapter that you could discuss about learning about who Jesus is and how to have also gospel conversations. But they start talking about... So she's going in the middle of the day. If you don't know the passage, she goes in the middle of the day because she is an outcast to her society. Jesus going to Samaria was radical. And not to get to one of our points here from yesterday and Holy Spirit power, I think Jesus, empowered by the Spirit, knew there was something going to happen at that well and went to the well with intentional purpose to meet this woman. And they had this conversation. Jesus says, hey, give, may I have a drink? The woman, they have a dialogue about the well and they talk about these things. And Jesus, though, gets to a point um, in verse 10, He answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that was saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it and as did his sons and the livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give will never be thirsty again. Our greatest need is to be right with God. And if we, by faith, turn to Christ, we will find our hunger and thirst fully satisfied. And here's how it's satisfied. It's because of who Jesus is and what He did. Jesus is the sinless, perfect Son of God who lived the obedient life as a second Adam. Where Adam failed in the garden, Jesus succeeded on earth. 
He went to the cross and where my sin deserved to be nailed on the cross, Jesus died in my place. Where He was laid in the tomb for three days, He conquered death and rose up three days later. It's by His life, by His death, by His resurrection that my greatest need can be satisfied. It's by His life and His righteousness I can be right with God. Not just is my need satisfied. I want you to hear this too. One of my greatest, my favorite songs has the verse, the wrath of God was satisfied because of Christ, God's wrath is satisfied. And we don't have to do anything to earn this. We don't have to bring money. We don't have to bring anything except ourselves and turn to Him and repent from our sins and believe in Jesus. And if we repent and believe, and if we have, we should walk a life like that. And Jesus says, that's the key to a blessed and happy life. It's not in all these earthly things that you can have. And don't get me wrong, there are things I enjoy. But if my hope's in them, my hope's in the wrong place. The key to a happy life is not a happy life here, but a happy life later. And it's found in Christ. But let me challenge you, church. Let's look at some things to practically assess. Are we pursuing Christ with a hunger and thirst that is needed. Thomas Watson, fun fact about me, I love the old Puritans, so I quote them a lot. But Thomas Watson says that there are wrong ways and right ways to pursue Christ. I mentioned, what is your desire to pursue Christ? Is it to get something from Him? Or is it to know Him? There are other things that we can chase after. We sometimes want to chase after Christ for societal benefits, but I will say, if you look at the times, those days are waning. There are not many more that you get societal benefits for being a Christian. Sometimes we, you have preachers who use Christ for monetary gain with a false gospel. And I put a note here, Paul to the Galatians says, do not pursue other gospels. There are other gospels trying to get us to pursue it instead of Christ. So if that's the case, I know we have a doctor here and our nutritional diet is very important. I wish I could eat chicken and waffles, but even more important is our spiritual diet. How do you pursue and hunger and thirst after Christ? I think is a very valuable thing for us to understand. A lot of what I want to talk here, I just want to say this from the uh, beginning. I've joined, uh, if you like reading, Martin Lloyd Jones recommends some of these. He came up with this list, and then I was like, I've got other things. And so I kind of created a list uh, together. But I want us to look at some points, and here's why. Matthew 6 33, later in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says that seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then 2 Timothy, Paul instructs Timothy, flee youthful uh, passions and pursue righteousness. So let us see, how do we pursue then this righteousness? How do we go after it with hunger and thirst and find our hope in Jesus? First, as mentioned, you need to spend time with Jesus daily. You need to spend time having a quiet time in the mornings or find the time that works for you. I do lean that mornings are better. And it's taken me 10 years to get to that point, let me just say. I'm a night owl and I'd be like, I'll read it at night and then wake up in the morning going, I don't know what I read. 
But you need to be spending time with Jesus. If you call yourself a Christian and spend no time with Jesus, I would question where your heart is. Because if you love Jesus and if you know Him, you want to spend time with Him. I love my wife. I, it's funny, it's just been a few days away, but we've been FaceTiming and texting and we text last night and she's like, I really miss you. And I was like, I miss you too. I miss the boys. Because of that love, I want to spend time with them. If I love Jesus, I want to spend time with Him. But you can't just, it's spending time with them. But if you're going to spend time in that relationship, relationships are hard. Marriage is not easy and for the faint of heart. A relationship with Jesus is not always easy because it expects things of us as believers. And one of the first things it should expect of us is we also need to be running from sin. If you're going to pursue Jesus, that means you're running from sin. Sometimes we spend our life as Christians going, okay, I repented and believe in Jesus, but we don't ever repent anymore. Our confessed sins. Martin Lloyd-Jones also says here, and I just love this because it connected to the appetites. We shall even avoid the things that tend to dull or take the edge off our spiritual appetites. Sin can hinder spiritual growth. And sin should have no home in the lives of us as believers. So that means we need to do things daily to get rid of sin in our lives because it also hinders our spiritual growth and development. What I've found when I feel far away from God, it's not because of, oh, God got distance. It's because I started turning to sin instead of turning to Him. Not just do you need to spend time with Jesus. Not just do you need to spend time fleeing sin. You also need to spend time in prayer. Do you hunger and thirst to speak with God daily? I, I don't like using my children always like specific instances, but I, I do. I have four small children. I never have to wonder if they're hungry. Sometimes I don't even have to be in the same room to know if they're hungry. They gladly yell to let me know, even though they ate 30 minutes prior. I've got one. I don't know where he puts it. I eat that much food and look at me. Him, skinny as a rail. Recessive genetics, I guess. When you're hungry and thirsty for God, do you cry out to Him though like that? Even if you just spent time with Him 30 minutes ago? When you're in conversations with people and they let you know of a need, do you say, hey, can we stop right now and pray for that? I remember the first time someone did that with me. The way my brain works, I was like, uh, like it, I, it's just like it had a short circuit. I was like, whoa, 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 and he was like, he just grabbed my hand. It was an older man, clutched it tight, and said, "Just stop talking." And we prayed to the Father. I've not felt peace over my anxieties in that moment until that man started praying. But sometimes we think, "Oh no, I, I pray at this time. We have three meals a day, so I have three. I have specific times I pray." One of the best books I've read is A Praying Life by Paul Miller about a life of prayers, constant prayer. Um, we should desire and seek to pray to Jesus every day and more than just once a day throughout the day. Also, and this, I'm, I'm going to explain why I made these two points. First, I said we spend time with Jesus. But let me explain this next point. We spend time with his, in His Word. When you spend time with Jesus, you need to spend time with Him by reading His Word. Devotionals are great. I encourage them to people. There are some great devotionals. But in my quiet times, one of the things I've started getting towards is 
I just get a pen and the Bible and I open up and I just start reading through God's Word. And as I'm reading it, this may weird some of you out, except one person because this comes from him and thanks to him, I think this way. I imagine Jesus talking to me while I read the Bible. You read the Passover, I think Jesus is going, hey, that Passover lamb right there, that's actually pointing to me. Hey, here in the Old Testament, that's actually pointing to me, Justin. Or even in the New Testament, I think Jesus speaks to me, hey, Justin, this is what I expect of you. You say you know me, you say you follow me, this is what I want you to be as a believer. And you get that by spending time in God's Word daily. I spoke about family discipleship last yesterday. I didn't get to this in my uh, talk, but one of the things I encourage people to do is if you want to know the Bible, find a Bible you like. Wear it out. Mark it up. Make notes. When it falls apart, do your best to find the exact same Bible. Because your fingers have a have an aspect of touch that remembers things and you find Bible memorization easy. But here's why I say wear a Bible out. One day, I'm going to be long dead and gone. I'll have grandchildren, hopefully, and great-grandchildren. I'd love for them to have my Bible and see the notes and how God spoke to me through it. Because maybe one day they will see that. I had a student, or in student ministry, I had, one of the things I enjoyed doing was uh, I read a quote that if you give your bi a Bible to your high school seniors when they graduate on graduation Sunday, you failed as a youth pastor. Because that means they're in your ministry for six years and you didn't, decided not to give them a Bible till they left. So what I did is I gave them a Bible. But here's what I did. I got a journaling Bible and I passed it around to all the adults in the church. And I said, can you find your favorite verse and make a note in it? Now, I did not know what God would do with this situation. So I was about to leave this church, moving to where God was leading us. And one of the senior saints of the church was giving his testimony on church membership before the whole church. His wife, he was an older man. His wife played piano and she was on piano. And I remember this is vivid. He like winked at her like because he was telling their love story. And right there, God called him home. He dropped dead. I was taking kids to camp and I looked at one of my older students. I was a senior. I said, hey, can I see your Bible? Because he brought one of those graduation Bibles to camp. And I flipped it open in John 10. Mr. Carroll, who passed away, there's a note from him. Jesus is your good shepherd, John. Do not lose sight of that and pursue him. That's something that will continue for years. John can be like, who to his children, who wrote that, Dad? Uh, let me tell you about Mr. Carroll. You need to dive into the Word to know it. Make notes in it. Wear it out. Let God speak to you because also as you're spending time in it, God is speaking. This is His Word speaking to you. We should hunger and thirst to be in it every day. And there's also nutritional benefits to our relationship with Jesus when we dive into it. First, we cl get closer with Jesus. That should be the biggest motivation to dive into the Word. I get to spend time with Jesus and get to grow close to Him. It also renews our mind and refreshes it daily when we spend time in it. We also then, it reminds us of Jesus. It also it reminds us of Jesus in the Gospel and what Jesus did. We should preach that to ourselves every day. What Christ did for me. It should, we should never lose the wonder we had when we first came to Christ. It also, as we spend time in it, will lead us towards holiness. 
we understand what how God expects us to live. If you want to just understand like with the epistles, when I read Paul's letters, it's usually the first half is like, okay, here's the confession or the theology of what to believe, but then here's the conduct of how you should live as a believer. So it's like when I read Paul's letters, he's teaching me and then going, okay, I'm not just going to teach you doctrine. Here's how to live your life, Justin. You only get that by having a healthy diet of spending time in God's Word. But then here's the last thing I think that marks a sign that you are pursuing Jesus with hunger and thirst. You're out there making disciples. If you know Jesus, if He means so much to you, if you love Him, you want to tell other people about Him. I love to tell people about things going on in my family, my kids, my wife. I love talking about them because I love them. I joked with uh, the guys that in many ways it may have sounded like yesterday a love fest of Dwayne because Austin and I have a love for what Dwayne has done in our lives, so we talk about those things. So my question then is, do you have a love for Jesus? Have you experienced the need to walk with Jesus? And when you pursue and follow after Him, that means you're going to walk as Jesus walked, 1 John 2, 6. And that means you're going to walk around this town finding ways to share the Gospel, finding ways to make disciples. It's hard. It's challenging. But that's what God has called us to. But your ultimate need before even that is are you pursuing Christ with a hunger and thirst to be right with God and a hunger and thirst to live a life right with God? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And I think there's there can be two different people, maybe three in this room. First, I want to speak to the unbeliever as you're praying to God. I want you to be praying about some things. I want you to talk to God right now. How is your spiritual appetite? Are you great? Hey, I'm feasting. If that's the case, thank God for that. God, I thank you that right now I'm just enjoying spending time with you and feasting and eating. And I just thank you for what you've done. Thank God for that. Maybe there's areas where, God, man, I really have dropped the ball here. God, can you draw me back to yourself? Help me here. Tell him that. And then maybe there's some of you in here that have never found satisfaction that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 5. You're still seeking it out in other things. But you recognize Man, I need this. I'm, I'm in the wrong. Things are broken in my life. But if this Jesus will satisfy everything and bring a happy and blessed life because of He will make me right with God, that's what I want. Then tell God that right now. Tell Him, God, I've tried my way, but God, I want to turn to You and believe that Jesus is Your Son that died for me. And if you said that, I encourage you to find one of the elders, the pastors here, and tell them that. Find someone say, hey, I need to know more about this Jesus. Father, I pray for Redeemer Church. I pray for the pastors. I pray for Michael. That it is a city on a hill here in this town that the light shines forth, that they are going out and making disciples. But I also pray specifically that we examine our hearts and, and, and ask are we hungering and thirsting after Christ? Are we hungering and thirsting and feasting on who Jesus is in such a way that everyone in St. Alvin sees and they go, something's different there. 
we've tried finding a happy life in these ways, but they have found a happy life in someone different. And you would open doors for gospel conversations, Father. But God, I pray first and foremost that we would be daily pursuing you. It would never give up that first love of who you are, Jesus, and that we would have a relationship with you, Father. And I thank you for what you're doing here in St. Albans. I thank you for the work that you're going to continue to do. I ask all these things in your son's name. Amen.